really your batting stance really doesn't matter. It's just if you look at the Major League Baseball logo, it's everybody has to get to that position to be successful. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode number eight of Mound Visit with Jason Grilly. Thank you so much for tuning in. Before we get you to our fantastic interview with the legend, Gary Sheffield, we want to remind you to make sure that you subscribe to the channel, Top 100 Sports Network. Give the podcast a follow on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. Follow the show, leave a comment, leave a rating on the show. We'd love to know what you think of it. And follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Top 100 Sports Net, Top 100 Sports NET there for you. You can follow us on TikTok too. We're always doing recaps of some of the biggest games, some of the biggest moments. So make sure you're following us there for all of the content you want to see. And without further ado, let's get into the interview. It's Wednesday, another mount visit, and we have none other than Gary Sheffield, my friend, my teammate, my former agent down there in Florida, man. Thanks, Gary. I know you just got off the course. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> Probably made a few divots or uh, wrapped Lots a couple. Lots of them. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wasn't on my game today, so you know, cut my hey, losses. You're living, you're living, you're living the life, man. That every every ball player likes to live. So, uh, thanks for coming on the show. Um, I loved having all of my former friends and teammates and fraternity brothers on here, and uh, you've been so instrumental to me, man. I know a lot of people have heard the story, maybe read the story, but. Your story, uh, incredible. What a career. I'm one of the most feared hitters. I only faced you a couple of times, but boy, <laughs> I tell you, you were one of the people I was like, I don't know how I'm going to get inside there with that wiffle ball that <laughs> he's swinging around. <laughs> and that's all you know. Intimidation is is a big thing and confidence in this <clears> game. <throat> and no one no one that I've played with or have seen in my own eyes had more confidence than you, man. So thanks for, the, thanks for uh, sharing your career. Sharing all, I know you love to teach. Um, and being on the show here because we had top 100 sports. We just got this this awesome show. We're just telling stories, having fun. There's no direction we go except, you know, <laughs> forward, and uh, right. we, we let it take it where it's at. So thanks, man, for coming on here, buddy. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Yeah, bud. Gary, so I, I guess think the, – go, go ahead. ahead. Were you going to – I think we're thinking the same thing, Justin. Let's <laughs> Go ahead. I was going to ask you uh, – I know we were just kind of talking about it before we got – uh, on the air here, but um, what about how about that finish to the World Baseball Classic last night? I think like yeah. every baseball fan. I mean, I know maybe I'm just a nerd about it, but I woke up this morning still thinking about that that at bat at the end of the game. What was your uh, yeah. what was your reaction to that as a former player watching uh, those teams and those two players go at it? Well, um, we've been hearing about it that this may be a possibility that these two guys. And these two teams are going to face each other at the end. Um, you know, Japan played a great game to beat, you know, and, uh, you know, you know, just go 6-0 and to get to that point. And um, USA have uh, been playing some wonderful baseball. They got great players on that team as well. Um, but everybody wanted to see what Mike Trout and, um, you know, uh, see what he does in big moments and important games. Yeah. And, and I yeah. think that. 
any baseball fan or former player or what have you um, always want to see great players in, in pressure situations and see what they are capable of doing in those type of situations. And and uh, when you're talking about two teammates, Otani and and um, Trout, you know, facing off man to man, you know, and he's coming at him with 100, 102, 104. Um, you know, you can't ask for nothing better than that. You know, as fans across the country, and uh, what a what a wonderful ending it was because you know, I I told Jason I expected it to go that way because when somebody coming in for one inning gets to throw the ball hard as he can to to get you out as a hitter, you know, good pitching always beat good hitting, and so it, it, once again it, it showed that in that series. Well, I was telling Casey before we jumped on that we we need to see more of that with Mike Trout in Sorry. those uh, situations. He has, I don't think he's played in a. Is he competed? He's a, played in, a in one game? one playoff series in 2014. Yeah. That was his only. Yeah, we're missing out on him. You know, we need to well, see that. Well, I, I think that Major League Baseball have to figure out something. Um, you know, to to get him in these kind of games. You know, they they have to figure out you know, dig deep into that organization of wondering why they're not surrounding him with the players that yep. he needs uh, or why not just let him go and, and get a bunch of players for him if you're not going to try to win, you know, because, you know, the game is missing out on seeing something that's, you know, comes around every 50 years. And yep. so when you get a guy that come around every 50 years, um, you want to see him in the most important games and on biggest stages you know, because if he, he's not in the biggest game, Major League Baseball loses out on a lot of money, a lot of different new fans coming to the game um, worldwide yeah. because they don't get to see the best baseball player in the world play. And so, as you saw last night, when you saw those two guys going at it, um, that's what draws fans to the game. And that's, that's what draws people back to the game and, and make it the, the America's game again. Man, it, I, I, I don't know if you guys felt the same way, but I, I felt watching that, and I think it was almost, obviously, like, you know, as a United States baseball fan, you wanted to see, you know, Trout tie the game up there. You want to see them get a couple runs in, in the bottom of the ninth, but it was almost, you know, it, it seemed like a passing of the torch type thing, watching Otani strike him out in, you know, the way that that game ended, because Trout's been the best player in baseball, like you mentioned, since he broke into the league almost. And now, you know, with the the mania that's been Shohei Otani and the talent that he brings to the field, it almost I don't know if you guys felt the same way, but to me it felt like a passing of the torch that Otani is like, yeah, like there's a reason. It's funny you saying that. It's funny you saying that because I I turned to my son after he struck him out and I said, This is the worst thing that could have happened to the Angels. Because (laughs) you know, you gotta think about it, you know. We, we had this guy's number one, and yes, he's now we got Otani. He's a pitcher and a hitter, and he's putting up the same production that Mike Trout is putting up, and he's just as dangerous at the plate. Not only that, he's a faster runner. Uh, yep. You know, we're talking about this guy. If he's not pitching to have a, a decision in the game, he's hitting and having a decision in the game. So how do you pay a guy like that? So now you we always say pitchers – you know, are valuable, but what at what price? Because we're out there every single day. Now this guy is saying, I'm out there every day and I'm pitching. So, <laughs> yep. so how do you value that? <laughs> is it new contracts? Yes. 
position players always said pitchers are not athletic. Well, thank you, Otani. <laughs> and put us on the map, baby. <laughs> I think I think his uh you talk about what he's worth, I think that number starts with a, a five, in my yeah. opinion. I yeah. I mean it's like getting the two players for one. Yeah, hey, right. Having one A and one B on a team, that's okay with me. I, however you want to slice that. But, uh, Chef, I always love, you know, Chef, what people don't know about Chef is, well, thanks for the, first of all, I know you weren't a fan of the media and the media wasn't necessarily a fan of you. <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't use it. I wouldn't use those terms. I wasn't fan of certain media uh, people, you know, not all. Everybody, I don't put everybody in the same category. I never have. And that's one of the reasons why. I didn't do what Eddie Murray uh, did is not talk to the press because I'm not going to um, penalize everybody else for what some people do. And I never did that. No, I got you. I was just trying to get a little, little joke. In, cause <laughs> I know how you are. We're in the media here right now. You know, I didn't know how this was going to be. <laughs> with me sticking a mic in your hands here today. But listen, I always respected this guy, Chef, my friend, you know, Always had a good opinion. He's a smart guy. I, I, there was even talk about how, at one point, you negotiated your own contract with Steinbrenner. So on the flip side, not just a good player, but a good businessman, an awesome dude. Uh, you know, just valuable knowledge. Probably would make a great commissioner, in my opinion. I think that the game, if 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 this is our game and how much we have and on the business side, having somebody like you. Gary's working deals. I was going to say, we got business deals coming in right now. (laughs) I had a better question to call in the show. Uh, (laughs) It's Otani. He wants two contracts. (laughs) See, he does it already. Uh, But listen, he's a great negotiator, good businessman. But again, Chef, I think you'd make an argument, could make an argument to make a good commissioner in this game. Otani, take the call. (laughs) No, go ahead. No, but, you know, Jace, you know, you know me, man. I, I, I'm a guy that I, I got along with everybody, man. I, you know, because I take the time out to get to know people and I don't expect everybody to be like me because I'm not like you. Uh, but that don't mean we can't come together with the same, you know, common practice and the same goals when we show up to the park. You know, we put on a good show for the fans. We give the people what they want. We be good teammates to each other. Where, where can I help you? Where can you help me? That's what that's what baseball and sports is all about. You know, a lot of times, you know, we get too wrapped up in the performance and and the day to day pressures that you deal with and and, and the difficulties of life that we deal with, what everybody else deal with that we don't show when we're on the field. We have to be professional. So with all that being said, you know, through my years, you know, what I always tell people is this. The problem with 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 um, certain media people and and, and 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 certain individuals, they think that that person that's 19, 20, 21 years old, let's just say all the way to 23 years old, you're still young. You're, mm-hmm. You you know, you got to reintroduce yourself to that same guy at 30, 31, 35, because he, he's not the same guy mm-hmm. is it's, it's the same person, but he's not the same guy. You have to reintroduce yourself to a grown man. And so. When people grow up, you should allow people to get a chance to grow up because some guys come in the league immature, not understanding things. They haven't seen how the world works, how the media works. But once you go around the circuit a few times and understand it, you pass that knowledge down to each other and and you try to help guys. That's why I gravitated to you, because I saw what you stood for. You know, I saw 
the situation they used to put you in the game with the bases loaded with uh, with no outs, and then all of a sudden, if if two runs scored, they're booing you because the two runs scored. Well, I I t- always told you you didn't put them there, you know somebody else put them there, and so it's just things like that. I think it goes a long ways when when you have somebody in your corner and see and really take the time out to see what you're really going through and how you dealt with it, it was remarkable to me. It's I it's a really interesting comment you made there, especially about, you know, guys coming into the league so young and I want it's it's a perfect segue because you were one of those those players. I mean, you came into the league at nineteen years old. Um I, I think a lot of people forget that. Can you talk a little bit? I know you've kind of you mentioned that just now, but and as an infielder, this guy was playing infield. Man. I know, yeah. right? It, it, yeah. It's can you talk about that experience at all? What it was like to come into playing Major League Baseball when you're still a teenager and it's essentially, like you mentioned, sort of growing up in the game. What was that like? Right. Well, it was it was difficult during my time in the '80s. You know, uh, the '80s is not like now because you know you have a lot of young players that's in the league now that can gravitate to each other. They can hang out together. They can go to lunch before the game. Um, they can, you know, sit around and talk the same language. But coming in the, in the league at even the, the age I was at, excuse me? Even the coaches now too. Yeah, young. even the coaches yeah. are young. And, and, and when you have that, you know, the time I came in, you had a lot of old school guys that didn't tolerate young players, didn't want them around. Um, and they was they was fearing for their jobs and things like that. They wasn't passing their jobs over to you or, you know, um, giving you life lessons and helping you turn into a man and at the big league level because, you know, it was just different. And so that's what made me the person I became, because the way I got done, it was very difficult. It was never an easy day for me coming in because I couldn't hang out with the players. I couldn't get to know the players on a personal level, uh, because I was still underage. I wasn't even old enough to drink. Um, and so, you know, I would go to shortstop and, you know, the veteran guys, they'll walk off. So I couldn't learn anything from them. And so when I, when I became a veteran, I never did that to other players. I always gravitated to the young kids and I always bought them, uh, tailored suits, you know, nice shoes, uh, take them out to eat, never let them pay a dime for anything. And so I wanted them to feel at home and feel welcome on the team, you know, something that I didn't feel. And so, you know, that's why when I look at these young players now, it's a lot easier to come in the game and and, and, uh, feel comfortable right away. That's a a tradition that's kind of gone, Steph, you know, in the game, having the veterans – you know, kid around, and and it's 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 almost like being the older brother, right? You, you're giving yeah. them a hard time, just enough time to let them know, like, hey, know your place, yeah. pay us respect, um, earn your stripes, kind of thing, and buying them suits and teaching them all that. That's kind of a lost tradition. But I will say, again, I, I give kudos to Chef, and and I love this guy in more ways uh, for what he's done, just as a friend and as my agent. And a teammate, but he would sit in my locker one day. Was he looked at me before he, when we were teammates? He's giving a tutelage uh, about the hitters over there, and I was kind of eavesdropping, like I gotta listen to this guy, you know. And about hitters, he goes, "What are you doing?" I said, "I'm just listening." Is okay? A pitcher joining a hitters meeting group at <laughs> clinic in the locker room. He had Curtis Granderson and yeah. Marcus Thane. I can't remember who else. Curdy, huh? Curdy, Curdy, yeah. yeah. Curtis Granderson. 
And I'm looking at it, I said, is it okay if I sit here, right? What, and you were like, yeah, I guess why not? I was gonna, yeah. that, I was yeah. gonna ask Gary if you remember that because I remember. Oh, I, I, I do. This, this is when our relationship really started because, you know, I this is what you know, like, that's what you should do. You know, you should yeah. as, as teammates, you should talk about things and try to figure out things together because that way, when you get on one accord, you the goal, the, the, the common goal is to win. And so, however, I can help you, you can help me. Let's talk about it because, you know, we need to know what pitchers think as well. And so, you know, a lot of guys used to ask me for tips and how do I do this? How do I make contact all the time? And if, so they can't, you know, a lot of guys used to strike out a lot and they always wanted to be a guy that didn't strike out. And I told them, I said, well, you know, it's your approach and uh, your, your approach is different than my approach. My, my approach has always been simple. You know, y'all like to listen to scouting reports and then try to figure out a pitcher. So if I'm trying to figure out Jason Grilly, how am I going to figure out Jason Grilly when Jason Grilly don't, he's not telling me what he's going to throw. So you keep it simple. You, you hit what you like and whatever else come you adjust to. And that's what my, my principle was is that I'm not going to go outside of what I don't like to do and try to do something else that the scouting report is telling me to do. You know, I do what I feel like I do best is hit a fastball and it makes you a better breaking ball hitter because they can't get to the breaking ball. And so if they do get to the breaking ball, then I become less of a threat of a home run guy and I become a Tony Gwynn type hitter where I spread the ball around. And then sometimes you hit home runs thinking that way, but I'm not going to sit here and feel like if I got two strikes, no balls on me, that I still got a chance to hit a home run. I have to give up something and respect the guy that's out there and make the game simple. And that's how I, that was my approach. Interesting. Hey, Gary, I wanted to, uh, I wanted to ask you, because I, I was a huge fan watching you uh, growing up and I was going through. And I got to ask you, man, I, I wanted to talk about your swing and your stance mm-hmm. because it's so iconic. It really is. Yeah. yeah. I love it so much. I use it in my slow pitch softball. Okay. <laughs> so how did that come about? Did you always have that stance and uh, you know that kind of flip of the bat with the wrist and like how did that come about and and uh, was it some sort of you know a mental thing for you to get set and just want to get your thoughts on on that? Well, I always pointed the bat towards the pitcher, uh, like Julio Franco. I was more like that, but the bat was steel. Um, I, back in the back in my time, we didn't use wood bats growing up. You know, that was a that was too expensive of a bat. And really, we didn't have any. So we we used to borrow each other's uh, aluminum bat. So that's all we knew. When I got the rookie ball, that was my first time using a wood bat. Wow. And the guy jammed me so bad and it hurt my thumb so bad. It was like, wow, you know, like nobody ever jammed me in my life. And <laughs> my first year pro ball, I get jammed and they were like, welcome to the real world. And so when I, yeah. when I got that, I was like, whoa, I got to get some kind of movement going and get it started because these guys throwing harder. They have good breaking balls. The ball run in on you. You know, like in high school, we didn't have guys that know how to run the ball in on you and then throw a slide piece away from you and things like that. So uh, these are things I had to adjust to. So I, I, um, I was taking batting practice in Helena, Montana, and I just started messing around with the bat. I just started wiggling the bat, just goofing around. And I wound up hitting the ball out the park. And I was like, whoa, you know, I felt strong when I did that. Then next time I did it like nine more times and I, I hit 
10 balls out in a row. You know, you know, I hit that first one, but then I hit nine in a row right after that. So that made 10 in a row. Wow. So, so I was like, I'm, I'm taking this into the game. And yeah. I took it into the game, and I wound up hitting two home runs that day. And that's where it started. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Man. And that wasn't from a coach. That's just you tooling around. Yeah. <laughs> well, as a hitter, what I had to learn over 22 years, you have to make adjustments day to day. You know, especially with professional pitching, you know, you may hit a guy good, you know, in the back of the box. You may hit a guy good, you know, standing even with the plate. So you have to steady make adjustments. You have to wind down and tone the wiggle down a little bit on certain guys and speed it up on certain guys just to time their speed. So that it was it was always a timing mechanism for me, because it was like if a guy was throwing really hard. I had to I had to wiggle a little faster because now I got more movement going. If a guy is throwing slow, I just be more relaxed and let the ball get deep on me. And so those type of things it kind of helped me. It's almost like in golf having a cigar in your mouth, all, you know, after you know getting ready to hit a, hit a shot. So that way you don't turn your head and burn your shirt. <laughs> I, it's it's really interesting thinking about that. I mean that iconic stance and swing. And I, I wonder, too, because what you said something in there that, that I think is really important for especially younger kids to hear. It is a timing mechanism. When, mm-hmm. So what would you – I guess what would be your biggest piece of advice to kids who are you know maybe trying to find that timing mechanism themselves? Because I think a lot of kids – and I, you know, I, growing up, my, you know, I wanted to uh, – uh, David Wright was my guy, so I always wanted to try and emulate his batting stance and try and do the mm-hmm. same thing. But it's like you've got to – also remind yourself that, you know, you got to find your own thing and not not what works for, you know, what works for a major leaguer might not work for you. What would you say to kids who, you know, are trying to, you know, mess around with that themselves? Well, well, I have one rule when they step in the cage. I, I, I get guys, probably five or six guys in a group and they come and they, you know, I'm talking to them about hitting and everybody is different in the group. You know, you may have a guy that is a leadoff guy. You have a middle of the order guy. You may have a left hand hitter. Uh, different kind of hitters. And so what I tell them, I don't care how you stand uh, when you're standing up here to hit. It's where you get what you get to when it's time to hit. Um, so really, your batting stance really doesn't matter. It's just, If you look at the Major League Baseball logo, it's, everybody has to get to that position to be successful. And so I always tell guys when they walk in there, if, the, if say if the, the number three hitter comes in there and he's smashing balls to right center and the, the, the launch angle swing with power, and I'm teaching him one thing. But then when that guy that's the leadoff guy comes in there, the first thing I do, I stop him. I say, now, what I'm going to tell you is you're not him. Now we're going to come in here and work on what you need to work on, like spread the ball line to line. There's no reason for you to have a launch angle swing because if you hit a ball in the air, it's out. It's not going out yeah. the park. So right. I need you to be a line drive guy to spread the ball where you can get on base so holes open up and you know so if everybody's trying to play a shift on you i i look at it as you're not that good of a hitter so anybody that play a shift on me i'll be the first 400 hitter so i'm just telling you straight like it is and and, but i always tell these kids if you can hit line to line you always have holes out there you do tell like as i tell you what uh 
what Chef does is gives so much clinic, and isn't the worst thing that hit players, any player can do for that matter, is comparison, mm. right? When you try to be like somebody else, it's it's fun to emulate. It's always the form, biggest form of flattery, yeah. right? When you try to imitate, but I don't see anybody trying to imitate what you were doing, right? But I know what you were. Only my crazy son. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And speaking of which, there was a, I think it was on Facebook or Instagram. You were. Smoking one of your famous cigars there, your most uh, suggested cigars. Yes. And he's still doing his thing and parking balls out there with teachers. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, hey, if it's in the DNA, I think he's probably the one to carry that on and carry that torch. But, yeah, I think like what you said to your point, I think it's always hard to compare yourself or almost like try to be exactly like, because no one is exactly like, but the mentality you can pick up and you can derive your game. Mm-hmm. That's what I did as to right. like, hey, my God, I, this guy has a great slide step, or this guy has a good pickoff move, or, you know, probably for you, Chef, this guy has a good way. If Julio Franco was even who you compared to or somebody that you were like, hey, this guy holds a bat like this, we all had somebody we looked up to. Yeah. Right. I wanted to be Nolan Ryan. I wanted to be like Roger Clemens. They were some of the best in the game. Right. So I kind of, hey, those are my guys, the rabbits I wanted to chase. So to your point, I love that you said, hey, don't, the first hitter, don't be like the third hitter. That's not your job. Yes. Keep the main thing the main thing. You know, you got to know what you're good at. And and I and, and when they come in the cage, too, uh, we don't work on your strengths. We work on only on your weaknesses. You know, we don't come in here to work on our strengths because you're already good at that. You know, yeah. if, if you work on your strengths, you may get you may gain one percent uh, of, of getting better. It may be one percent You could because you're already good at it. Um, you're not going to hit no ball, no father. It, you know, you're going to make, you're going to make seven outs out of 10, uh, and nothing going to change in that department. But what we're going to do is, you know, we have to, uh, work on things where you get attacked, wherever you get attacked the most, that's what we work on. And, 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 and I want you to get so good at it that it's not a weakness anymore. And even if it's still a weakness, but you got, you have 60% gain. And so now when you got 60% gain opposed to looking for 1% gain of things you do well, that makes you a a better baseball player. Yeah. Bringing it back to the uh, WBC, I talk about emulating players and following athletes. I really had, for me, at least out the goal of the WBC was that's what across the globe kids were watching it. Their favorite, you know, they're, they're watching their country, their players. And now they, are hooked on it and they're following them and it, it makes them, it gravitates them towards the game. Yeah. You know, I really hope that's what's accomplished because that was phenomenal. And I can't, the ratings, I was looking, I was reading some articles this morning about the ratings. The ratings were through the roof, more doubled from 2016. And I'm trying to sit here and think like, what was it? Like, what was it? Was it because it's off the backs of FIFA? So it still kind of got like that global thing going on and it kind of goes into that. Um, you know, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I, I just say that, um, you know, when you when you are uh, having Mike Trout involved in this and when you're talking about the best player in the game, mm-hmm. when 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 we had Barry Bonds, myself, all of the great players that back when we when this this thing first started, we didn't understand it like these kids do today. You know, we thought yeah. a lot of things wasn't in order and a lot of things wasn't in place. And Jace could tell you this. Uh, we was told if we, we played in it, if we got hurt, our contracts wasn't guaranteed. It, wow. They can void our contract. So guys wasn't taking that risk. And so I would have loved to play on the team if I would have knew 
more about the logistics and all of that mm. type of stuff. But when they when they was telling us if you get injured, you know, basically, you know, we was getting pressure from the, the organization saying that if you get injured, you're gonna hurt us during the season. So you you was getting mixed signals about playing in it, but you want to represent your country, but things wasn't totally in place like they are today. Right. So you you look at the the Mets just gave this the the, the closer yep. all this money and just celebrating he gets hurt. Altuve breaks his thumb, he's yep. out. So all those things we tried to take in consideration before we made that decision. But I think these kids have so much information now and that they're aware of what the, the chances are of them getting hurt and things that, that happen. Um, they, they're willing to take that risk. But I just think that the way the game is marketed now, it wasn't marketed that way when it first came out about yeah, this, yeah. The, the WBC. It wasn't marketed that way. I think now people are more aware of it. They look forward to it. And um, and I think that Mike Trout and Otani was being involved in it, and they they had both of their their clubs are really great. Um, so that's that alone, you know, brings the markability to, to through the roof because you know baseball, you know, Jason tell you watching it now is is it's like watching paint dry sometimes during the regular season because you know I don't like to be one of these old players to down the game or whatever, but. Yeah. I'm not I'm not one of these guys that that don't want change, don't want to see things change. Mm -hmm. I'm all for it. Uh, anything to help the game. But when I see the style of play, when there's no action going on, yeah. you know, when there's no triples, there's no getting a guy over. There's no hit and running. Yep. All these things you see, guys like if somebody's sitting there watching it and they're sitting in the stands or sitting at home and they see the shortstop move and a ball hit dead to shortstop. Somebody may be yelling from the couch. That's a ground ball. It's a double play, but just because a runner was moving, that ball is going to left field, and now the guys are play at third base. That's what I get excited about because, you know, just standing there, just waiting on a home run or a strikeout. I mean, to me, a home run is not, it's not all that exciting no more because when it when they do hit it, you expect it. Well, you I gotta so, ask you. Oh, go ahead, bro. I was just saying he he was saying this though years ago, and he was frustrated when you were watching me play. You come and watch me play, and in, in, in the time you were just like you were like I can't I can't watch this the hitting because, and back going even back to Lindsay Barrett when we had her on the show, yeah. she's talking about Yogi Yogi, and you got you probably got some Yogi stories being a Yankee. Um, Yogi retired after he struck out three times. Now guys are striking out damn two hundred you know times. Acceptable, <laughs> uh, yeah. but to your point, there's there's not enough action. It's the brand of baseball that is so different that it's hard for guys like you who are taught a certain way. We were taught this branded baseball and then it all changed because of analytics and the shift. And, you know, we got bases the size of pizza box. I don't, we don't know who it's, what's next. So I don't know how you and I would be. If but, look, but look at it like this, Jace. Look at it like this. They, they, they all 32 teams. What is it? 30 teams now, 32, however many teams it is, they all claim they want to win. Right. Yeah. But have, Certain teams won that didn't used to win, or is it new teams that's winning and the teams that was winning is losing now? It's the same teams that win is winning before and they're winning now. Whoever had the most resources win. And so that's what happens. And, 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 and so if the game was changing and now you're saying 
the Chicago Cubs is a winning organization now. They're going to the playoffs and in, in, in World Series year after year. Then you can say the, the rule changes made a difference in, in, in equal play. But that's not the case. It's, really? it's about they're telling you to play a game a certain way, which, which is not helping the standards and, and for the Kansas City Royals and the Chicago Cubs and the teams that's not winning. Now, if it was changing the standard, the standings, then you, you it'll make you think, right? But it's not. So now, what what's next? What how do you want to market this game and who you want to market it to? So if you're marketing it to the fans, that's what bring the ratings, the fans. So if the fans is bringing the ratings, then why don't you play the style that the fans want to see? That's action. And yep. once they see action, they're gonna tune in, just like you saw in the WBC. And I know we gotta leave here soon, but I'll let you go, Garrett. But I just want to get your thoughts on that pitch clock. I I I don't I don't like the pitch clock because of pitchers can manipulate it a little bit, like Scherzer. Yeah, um, I yeah, saw yeah. that he sat on the mound and waited till the hitter got in the box. He wasn't even set, so he was able to wind up and throw the ball. I don't like that part of it. So really, that's gimmicky. And um, if I don't have the, the the opportunity to set myself and uh, look at the pitcher and then get ready, then why would why should I have to get in the box when I got one foot in and the guy winding right. up? So that I, I I don't mind the pitch clock, but let, let everybody has to be set. It, it's a very good point, I think, and I I know that we we kind of you just touched on this before we asked about the pitch clock, but you were talking about. Uh, it, it's it was interesting to hear you say you know a home run is boring because this is coming from someone who hit 500 home runs in his career and I wore my mm-hmm. I wore my Mets shirt a for, for a reason there because I know uh, I know you didn't play there for yeah. a long time but right. that that memory right. is burned in my brain because I watched you hit your 500th home run for for my Mets so yeah. um, I wanted to ask before we we do have to let you go but. What was that moment like for you? Because, you know, it's not every day you get to talk to someone who's blasted 500 dingers in the major leagues. So um, talk to us about that a little bit and what that meant to you. Well, to me, it was like, you know, coming out of high school, um, getting drafted, your life change. It's like a life changing moment. It's like you expect it to happen because you put up a Gatorade player of the year. So you expect the draft to come and say your name. But when they actually call your name, that's when reality is and your life changed. I felt like I was going to hit 500 home runs at some point. I just ain't no win. But then, you know, I, I flew my parents out and I wanted my parents to see it. And I just couldn't hit a home run for a whole week. So I was like, this is this trip is getting costly. You need to go home. <laughs> so, so, so. So they wind up going home, and then I wind up pinch hit. I wind up coming in to pinch hit and hit a home run, and I wasn't even thinking about the home run at that particular time because I was just not thinking about it. But it's when I when I was thinking about it is when I had my parents come in town because I wanted to do it in front of them. But when they left and I wasn't thinking about it, it wind up going out, and it was almost like out of body experience. Um, that you know life-changing moment for me this is something that i always knew i could do and dreamed of doing and and it's finally a reality yeah that's incredible it, it, yeah i mean i just had to i had to ask because that was just <laughs> i'll always remember that and uh what a what a cool moment but hey 500 uh, monumental and and i know 
a sore topic, but you should be in the Hall of Fame, man. Yep. You're among the greats. Uh, what a stellar launch scroll right. of, of accomplishments as well as failures. Talk about, you know, all your success. I know when people sit there and they give us, you, you're introducing somebody, someone like yourself, anybody that's had success in, in anything, in business, and especially in our game. When you introduce, you hear all the accolades. But I like to talk about it and go, you know, Michael Jordan's mentioned it. You know how many times you have to fail to succeed? Mm-hmm. You know, tell, tell these kids and anybody that's listening how all those failures or a particular failure, something that you, you said, said, this is what I struggled with, and it, it was a game changer for you once, it, once you clicked. Like you said, in the cage, we ain't working on the stuff that we're good at. That's fun. When you work on stuff that you already know how to – hit the ball the other way or in this inside or whatever you're working on to get, that's why I'm drafted. I'm good at that. The stuff that we're going to be better at, tell me something that was like a game changer. Once you mastered something that elevated you and took you to the next level. Well, I, I always tell everybody you're going to go through failures, but it's what, how you handle the failure. You know, I, I always say, you know, until you trust yourself, because that's why you fail. You don't trust yourself. Anybody that trusts themselves and have a belief system that can't be broken because you're going to have coaches to tell you what you can't do. You're going to have, you know, players to say that they better than you and they can do this better than all of those things. I wasn't the biggest and the strongest guy. I'm, I'm, I'm standing at right about six feet. Um, I'm not six, five. I'm not six, six. I'm not Aaron Judd. I'm not none of those guys. Uh, but at the same time, I know I can reach defenses. And so, the bottom line is I always tell kids who can reach the fence uh, and do it the most on a consistent basis is going to be the winner. And so I don't care how big and strong you are, how fast you are. You know, if you don't have a belief system in yourself, then you're going to fail. And you know, you're not going to know how to get out of it because you don't trust yourself and you don't believe in yourself. You know, people like to pretend that they are confident. You know, I, I tell people, I tell kids all the time that, Major League Baseball are, the, you know, hitters are the most insecure people on the planet because when they when they hit in 220, they don't know they don't know how to hit 280 because, you know, they insecure about it. They're, they don't they they let failure uh, creep into their brain or they let looking at a Pedro Martinez or, or, or Randy Johnson dictate, you know, who they are. And and, and one thing about me is I don't let nobody dictate who I am. I, I am who I am, whether you like it or not. But uh, when 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 it's game time, I'm going to compete. And you better be ready to compete because I want your best, just like I hope you want my best. Yeah. Last Absolutely. question, really. Did you face Gary? I think I faced him a couple times. But I tell what you happened? What, if I faced him a couple more, I, I, know, I know what might have happened. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to go there. I do have the, the bragging right now, but I'll tell you what, he's done more for me in my career that I will never throw that. I don't even want to erase that question. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Grilly, Grilly and I, we had a couple battles. I I um, I think I hit a ball to shortstop. I, I think I struck out, I think. Um, but he was one of those guys that his style of pitching gave me gave me problems because, you know, he, he threw just hard enough at 94, 96. Uh, he can throw hard enough so he can throw his slider. And his slider was so hard, and, 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 and you couldn't pick it up from the fastball. That was the problem. You know, 
he, you know, you know, a lot of guys, what made me good as a hitter is I can pick up the pitch before you throw it. And Jace just had this delivery where, you know, he hides the ball. And when it, when it, when he's stretching out to you, he's, uh, he's six, five, so six, six. So when he's stretching out to you, it's like he's halfway home, you know, yeah, pitching yeah. to you. So you really can't pick it up. And when you try to pick it up and look for a certain pitch, it's the opposite pitch. So, you know, he was one of those difficult guys. But like Jay said, he'll tell you, the more we see you, we'll figure things out, you know, because, you know, I'm going to find things that he does that will show me when this pitch is coming or not. Well, I can awesome. tell you this. And this is a mound visit. Like I said, we got a an all-star outfielder, but he did play infield, and that's why he's on the mound visit today. And this guy's done more for my career just in confidence. Like I said, I was at that hitters meeting that he was giving a clinic to some of the young guys in Detroit. But even as my as my friend and as my teammate and then as my agent, we'd always have conversations. Yeah. Uh, and like I said, when you sit there and you listen to a guy like this speak about the game so passionately, love and respect, and, and the knowledge, um, you know, Chef, I, it's been wonderful, man. I know we talk all the time, but it's fun to do this with you. Introduce you to some of my friends, uh, kids yeah. at home watching this, some of the dads trying to teach their kids. I hope we bring some some good stuff to the table. We got to have you on again, man. It's just fun. I know uh, you got another couple cigars probably to hang out with today. Yeah. Your Wednesday, you your hump it. day. Yeah, so you know it. best you, your family. And I can't wait. Like I said, you got two kids that are that are, one of them is going to definitely make it, if not both of them. And you know that name Sheffield. His uncle's Doc, Doc Good and Dwight Good, another Mets player mm-hmm. case, you know. Of course. That's, that's Chef's uncle. Yes. So so I think we're going to be seeing the Sheffield name uh, in lights and uh, hope to do just the same, if not more, than you, right? You want the best for your kids. Yeah, I just want them to enjoy it, you know, and if they want to play professional baseball, that's fine. I, I, I told them, you know, as long as I, you get your degrees, you know, everything else comes after that to me. You know, I don't – I you know, I – I tell them all the time, I, you know, I don't really care if you play baseball, to be honest with you, but if that's what you love to do and that's what you want to do, I'm going to be out here and give you everything I got. And as long as you give me everything you got. And so I'm not one of them parents that's going to be overboard and overbearing to my son. You know, if they ask me a question, I'm going to give them the truth. And sometimes it's harsh, but I tell them then if don't ask me then, if you don't want the truth, Uh, because I'm telling you how, how I evaluate you you better believe the scouts evaluate you the same. So if, if I see you lacking in something, then I'm, I'm going to bring it to your attention and hopefully you can fix it. Well, yeah, this is my one fearful moment with Gary Sheffield, more even so than facing him a couple times. We were in spring training down in Lakeland, Florida, and his one of his sons, I don't remember which one it was, he was giving you a hard time, wasn't listening, wasn't having it. Was yeah. Chef went from, from all-star player <laughs> to dad mode, yeah. and I was like, I'm glad I am not his kid. <laughs> <laughs> so whatever you're teaching them, I know it's working right. <laughs> you're hey, still on that. They that know I don't play. Fearful <laughs> <laughs> mom, I did. And my stomach, I was like, oh, shit. My stomach returned. I was like, I hope this kid's going to be all right. <laughs> yeah, well, it, it, it's about I can teach you or the, the world can teach you. And yep. so, you know, if I'm telling you something and then I don't, if I don't like something, then we're going to fix it because, you know, I just want respectful kids. My kids are very respectful. They're smart. 
they're good looking boys you know they, they pay attention for the most part but kids gonna be kids and that's why we parents so we have to parent amen dude amen, amen. absolutely we hope you guys enjoyed that interview with the legend Gary Sheffield. 500 plus major league home runs right there. Pretty incredible stuff. But we want to remind you guys before you step away to follow us on Instagram, on Twitter, on TikTok. You can see all of that content there. Subscribe to the channel, Top 100 Sports Network. And make sure that you give us a follow on the podcast when you listen on Spotify, Apple Music. Leave a comment for the show. Send in your questions to us, Top100SportsNet, at Top100SportsNet, on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. If you want to send some questions in for us to ask to Jason, any of our guests here coming up, just let us know, and we'll be happy to get those questions answered on the show. So, again, thank you so much for tuning in, and we'll talk to you guys next week. Mm-hmm.